0: Father, we do thank you, we praise you, we glorify you, we yes, magnify Lord. you. We thank you tonight in the mighty name of Jesus. We be able, able, we're able to get together like this to be able to study your word. And today, Father, we thank you for fresh utterance, fresh illumination, and helping us, Father God, to be able to feast on your word, study your word, meditate in your word. And Lord, allow those truths to transform our life into more and more like the Lord Jesus Christ. and Father, tonight we thank you for enlightening our darkness and and taking us from glory to glory and every need being met once again tonight. In Jesus' name, thank you for utterance tonight. Uh, In Jesus' name, amen. 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 Well, tonight um, I want to start off with, uh, I want to share a little bit about uh, training the human spirit. Uh, what makes this so important is, and we've had some questions here recent times about conscience and how these are really, (laughs) they go hand in hand as a believer. And when we're talking about training the human spirit, uh, realizing that it's the spirit filled life that we're called to live. Amen. Mm -hmm. And we know that because we've been filled with the spirit speaking in other tongues, but what differentiates our life from all other religions as a Christian is because we have the spirit of the living God living on the inside of us uh, as a Christian, because we've been born again, but furthermore in an enhanced way by having the spirit filled life. And uh, so when we're looking at this, uh, and studying this, this is really keen and, and, and important for us because, uh, many times people have asked, uh, is my conscience a safe guide? Can I follow my conscience as a Christian? And, uh, and just generally speaking, our conscience is a safe guide as a Christian, as, uh, we've been walking in fellowship with the Lord. Okay. Now I know that's a broad spectrum. And, uh, you know, that, uh, covers a lot of things. Uh, But I want to touch on some high spots about this. I remember in Rhema, um, uh, Brother Hagen made the statement. he, He taught a class called Spiritology. And, um, he said, there's not a chair in any university that teaches a class on the, uh, existence and the development of the human spirit. And the reason for that is, is because uh most, you, you go to a, a psychologist or psychiatrist or someone who, who counsels people, uh, they deal with what's in the mind of man because they see man as a body and soul. And uh, they don't see man as a triune being. And uh, so we have to touch on that because we have to understand that the real you, the real me, Is we're spirit being. And that's the very foundation for understanding about being led by the Spirit of God and about following our conscience, because the Bible has a lot to say. Uh there's some 30 verses in the New Testament that talk about the conscience in one way or another. So we're going to look at that for the next few weeks and take our time and look at some scriptures because right now, especially. Many people are just in a dilemma. You know, what do I do? Lord, what is your will? And like one person has aptly said, the answer to a million and one questions is be led. Well, that sounds good. Uh, that's a nice cliche. But how does that translate to our life? How do we know when we're being led by the Spirit? And I'm so thankful that uh, when uh, uh, after I got saved and filled with the Spirit, uh, the first tape series that I ever, uh, received, got from dad Hagen was how to be led by the spirit of God. And it was a 10 tape cassette series. And I, you know, wore those t- cassettes out because they, they're so full of truth and they came as a result. And there's a book, how to be led by the spirit of God, uh, which is just a classic, classic book that every Christian should, should read. But um, that all come as a uh, uh, consequence, and I should not say consequence in the wrong way, but it came as a result from when in 1959, the Lord Jesus appeared to him, and uh, he had fallen in El Paso, Texas, and knocked his elbow out of place. And um, the Lord came into his room, and what was Brother Hagin, I'm talking about him, and uh he sat at his bedside for an hour and a half and talked to him about being led by the spirit of god and i bring that up because that has everything to do with our conscience and understanding that that is the very basic way uh the foundational way that we can be led by that inward man okay and so he learned a lot of things and uh The Lord told him for one thing is he said, you know, I'm appeared and he was praying about uh, going to a certain place. And he said he he gave him the answer on that. But he said, I'm never going to lead you this way again. He said, you're going to have to uh, follow my spirit. You're going to have to learn my voice and uh, look to the inside. In other words, and and said a lot of things that take an hour and a half to, to repeat. If we had that all on tape as the Lord was speaking to him. And then you'd have to explain it. Well, obviously, number one, I wasn't there. And number two, he didn't share everything that the Lord said. But the high spots are really important for us to realize because in training the human spirit, it's important for us in these days in which we live. It can be a matter of life and death. It can be a matter of uh, having a full supply versus not having a full supply. Uh, There's so many tentacles, so to speak, in to being led by the Spirit of God. And uh, so, uh, generally speaking, our conscience is a safe guide if we're following God and endeavoring to walk in the light that we have from God's Word, okay? And we're going to cover some of these things tonight. Um, So, I want to look, first of all, at a couple of scriptures. Um, I want to start, and this is foundational. I know a lot of you know this. Uh, and so, you know, just bear with us here. If this is like, oh, you know, I already know some of this. Well, we do, but you know, the the good thing is, is with the Holy Ghost, He can give us fresh illumination. Amen. So we we we, we learn scriptures, but then we never see, we never come to the end of the fullness of understanding that God can breathe into our understanding today, so that we can have a fuller grasp. Of the limitlessness of God, the bigness of God, and uh, what he wants to do, right? right. So uh, thank God that the Bible is is a spiritual book, and uh, he, he wrote it. Uh, the Bible was written by people that were inspired by the Holy Ghost. That's why the Bible says all scripture is given by inspiration of God, or God breathed. Uh, it is for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, and for instruction in righteousness, and it goes on to say that the man of God would be Thoroughly equipped, ready for every work. Okay. And we need the word of God. And Jesus said, My words are spirit and they're life. So life and the spirit is really the essence that makes Christianity totally separate and beyond any other type of religious system that we find in the world today. Oh, yeah, there's spirit, spiritualists, and things like that, but that's on the side of the devil. Uh, But uh, we have from the word of God, a sure way of knowing about the existence of, of really who we are and that we are as human beings created in the image of God, uh, but God is a spirit, okay? So uh, just bear with me, but First Thessalonians 5, 1 Thessalonians 5, and we want to look at verse 23 here just briefly. And again, I know that, uh, you know, most everybody here I think is heard this verse or read it, but let's read that as we start off here tonight. First Thessalonians 5, 23, it says, And the very God of peace sanctify you wholly, and I pray, God, your whole spirit and soul and body be preserved blameless unto the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. So to be blameless, that would be in holiness, right? So we we have uh, holy living uh, by what we allow our body to do or not do. But that is precipitated from holy thinking. And that has to do with thinking like God thinks and having our mind renewed. But the very root or foundation of all of that stems from being born again and our spirits being recreated. Amen. So when he's talking here, spirit, soul and body, he's differentiating the different parts of man, generally speaking. OK, and, and that is how we're comprised of when, when a person dies uh, they don't cease to exist. They just leave this natural physical world and enter into the realm of the spirit, leaving this physical body behind. But they don't cease to exist because the real you, the real us as people is going to live forever. OK, uh, we we were born as human beings. We were born into an existence that will never end. Whether we go to heaven or hell, and I'm talking about an encompassing the whole world, you know, of believers and those that are not believers, right? The, only, the unbelievers will end up uh, in hell and eventually in the lake of fire, as the scriptures teach. But for believers, their, their home is going to be heaven, right? And Paul said to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. So, so immediately upon leaving this body, we're heading in one direction as a born-again child of God, okay? So, uh, training the human spirit. Uh, We we understand there's many scriptures we could look at, and uh, I believe most everyone here tonight, they're they're familiar with at least some of them. Uh, Peter talked about the hidden man of the heart. It's used in different ways. But many times in the Bible, the heart is not talking about the physical organ which pumps blood through our bodies but it's talking about the real you, the real person that we can't see, okay? Uh, But nonetheless, very present and very real, okay? Now, let's turn here to Proverbs chapter 20, and as we look at tonight in the lesson that we're going to be covering here, Proverbs chapter 20, and then we're going to go to Romans 8, a couple of other scriptures most are familiar with, but uh, I want to use this as a some tech key texts here tonight as we're going to look at the conscience, okay? Uh, in Proverbs 20 and verse 27, it says, The spirit of man is the candle of the Lord, searching all the inward parts of the belly. Now, another uh, phrase that's used in the Bible, John, uh, Jesus used it in John chapter 7. Uh, he said, Out of your innermost being will flow rivers of living water. Your inmost being. Well, he's talking about, we could say, your belly. And right here, it says there in Proverbs 20, 27, searching all the inward parts of the belly. So the the spirit of man is the candle of the Lord or the lamp of the Lord, okay? Now, what do we think about when we think about a lamp? We think about something that gives light. It gives uh, the ability to have illumination on our path. Like, for example, if you go outside, when it's pitch black outside, and there's no light uh what what do, you, what do you want? If you take a lantern or a flashlight or or what have you, then that's going to enlighten the darkness right and it's going to give you a way to navigate in the darkness right and And that's what we need nowadays, especially in these last days, is we need to be able to know uh bona fidely for sure uh what the, what the Spirit of God's saying to us and 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 the spirit of god is is sometimes with that being said we have to realize that the spirit of god is not uh is the will of god right speaking to us and uh and we'll get to how that works in connection with the written word in just a moment but but he doesn't change his mind every day okay and that's something to really we could spend a lot of time on that because sometimes with with, with believers that the voice of the spirit saying one thing today and another thing tomorrow but that's really that's not how he works uh, god's will it's like you know it says there in hebrews 13 8 it says jesus christ the same yesterday today and forever well god never changes he's never going to change right his love for us is never going to change praise god so, we have that as a foundational understanding uh in, in, in which we need to know that and have that firmly as part of the foundation in our lives. So, the spirit of man, now you notice that, is the candle of the Lord. Well, what is that saying? That's saying that the candle of the Lord, in other words, God's going to enlighten us. He's going to guide us through our spirit. Okay? Now... Uh, and it searches all the inward parts of the belly, in other words it 's a it 's an inward knowing right it 's not some psychological thing it 's an inward knowing right? right now couple that with uh, Romans chapter eight, turn over in your Bibles to Romans chapter eight and let 's read another few verses here Romans chapter eight and let 's look beginning at verse twelve, all right verse 12 it says and this whole eighth chapter is so wonderful but for time's sake we'll we'll start here in verse 12 it says therefore brethren we are debtors not to the flesh and mind you paul's writing to born again believers right he's not writing to the world but he's writing to the church of the living god those uh that have been born again he says therefore brethren we are debtors not to the flesh to live after the flesh for if you live after the flesh you shall die but if you through the spirit do mortify the deeds of the body you shall live so here he talks about the difference between the flesh and the spirit and in other places we know that uh, like for example in Galatians chapter 5 it talks about the works of the flesh are manifest and he names all these different works of the flesh and then he goes on to say and talk about the fruit of the spirit, which is the fruit of the recreated human spirit. Okay. Once we've been born again. And so he says, if you live after the flesh, you're going to die. Well, he says it in another way in first Corinthians where he talks about uh, he said to be carnally minded is, is, is death, but to be spiritually minded is life and peace. All right. and, he says that there, and you can read that in the first part of first Corinthians uh, when he's talking about being spiritually minded. well, spiritually minded people are going to think like God thinks, right and that is going to stem forth out of the born-again experience and hopefully spirit filled but but when we received eternal life when we were born again, the very nature of God came into our spirits because we were recreated and praise God, uh, by the blood of Jesus, uh, all of our sins were washed away. We're going to look at a few verses about that in just a moment. But as we read this, so living after the flesh or the carnal dictates of the flesh is, is not being spirit minded or spiritually minded because spiritually minded, uh, people, uh, have life and peace, okay? Now, he goes on to say there that we through the Spirit do mortify the deeds of the body. You shall live. In other words, it's supposed to be, uh, and and, and I was talking to someone about this today, as a matter of fact, that it's not a matter of trying to make religious sinners. That's why when we're talking to people, it's important that we always keep in the back of our minds the fact that we don't, Jesus catches his fish and then cleans them. And that cleaning up process is a process over time. Some people uh, allow that process to work faster than others by getting more knowledge and putting it into practice. And that makes the difference. So, but it's through the recreated human spirit that we're supposed to Put to death the deeds of the body or keep the flesh under. Paul said in 1 Corinthians 9, 27, he said, I keep under my body. I keep under my body, lest when I preach to others, I myself become a castaway. Okay? So we're not just supposed to try to do better and be a, quote, unquote, do gooder in and of our own strength. Because if it's if it's not by the spirit of the living God, and we're talking about life in the spirit, this is what makes Living as a Christian, fun, exciting, joy filled, and and fresh every day, because we have God inside of us, and He's our helper. Amen. So when He says here that you mortify the deeds of the body, you'll live. In other words, you 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 put to death or you render inactive, of not allowing the body. Uh, to tame the spirit, but rather the spirit tames the body and brings it under subjection, okay? And now you got the power on the inside of you because now the greater one lives on the inside of you, amen? So you can do that and uh, talk to so many people through the years giving their own personal, per, uh, personal testimony uh, about their conversion experience. And each and every one of us has uh, uh, an important story to tell, but somewhat different Because different things changed in our life the moment we got born again. I know different ones that I said, boy, you know, I used to be like, cussed like a sailor. And now uh, I've just, when I got born again, uh, that all left me. And sometimes for some, uh, things just drop off automatically. Other ones, they have to work at it and put their flesh under. Well, it doesn't mean one of them's more born again than the other or one's not born again. And the other one is, uh, but different fleshly entanglements that had us and trapped us before we were born again will still try to trip us up, right? Thank God for the blood of Jesus. Mm-hmm. The blood of Jesus is the difference maker, mm-hmm. right? Because what we could never do for ourselves, it can only be done by his precious blood. Amen. Mm-hmm. And that's the only way that we can live in a victorious way. Filled with the spirit of faith and on fire for god is to allow the spirit of god to have his way in our life and that intertwines with training the human spirit having a pure conscience and these are things we're going to look at so let's read on here it says in verse 14 it says for as many as are led by the spirit of god they are the sons of god okay we just read proverbs 20 27 the spirit of man is the candle of the Lord, or the lamp of the Lord, searching all the inward parts of the belly. Now, as it says there in verse 14, for as many as are led by the the Spirit of God, they're the sons of God. So, in other words, the sons of God are to be led by the Spirit of God, okay? And he goes on to say in verse 15, for ye have not received the spirit of bondage again to fear, but ye have received the spirit of adoption, whereby we cry, Abba, Father, or Daddy, Father, right? Right? The Spirit itself, verse 16, beareth witness with our spirit. He's talking about the Holy Ghost. He's talking about the Comforter. He's talking about the Spirit of truth, the Spirit of God. And he said, It itself beareth witness with our spirit. that We're the children of God, right? So one of the first things that shows up is that in the innocency of being a born-again Christian, when we first get saved, is we know that we know that conversion took place on the inside. We know we have a no-so experience concerning our salvation after we've accepted the Lord Jesus. We know it says in first John that we passed from death unto life because we love the brethren. See, because we got a new spiritual DNA, if you will. On the inside of us is a brand new person that never existed before. Because our nature is totally changed inward. And then it progressively, as we renew our mind to the word of God, begins to work itself to the outside and affects the way we live, the way we think, and the way we talk and our behavior and everything like that. So when he says there, for as many as are led by the spirit of God, they are the sons of God. So we should be led by the spirit of God. Now, how is he going to lead us? He's going to lead us by his spirit, but how, what means is he going to do? He's not going to, so many times people think that God is, you know, he's going to lead by just natural things. Well, you know, there's what's called in the Old Testament fleecing, you know, like uh, a a fleece was put out by Gideon, okay, and and, and such. But we don't live that way in the New Testament because in the, the Old Testament, they were not born again. But in the New Testament, because we've been born again, we're to be led by the Spirit, right? We walk by faith, not by sight, amen? And so we don't look to the natural, external things just as a legitimate, always ongoing draw card to where this is God. Because sometimes, uh, if you look in the natural, uh, you have resistance in different areas. Uh, Praise God when there's none, amen? Those are wonderful times, but you will, as in your Christian walk, as you walk with God and progressively you walk long enough, you're gonna come up against some things that are gonna to try to battle you, harass you, stop you from penetrating the very will and the plan and the purposes of God in your life. And you have to be resilient in the strength of God to know how to differentiate between what you know, things that happen in the natural that are of God and things that are not of God and, and things, you know, just because I have no resistance doesn't mean something's God because peace is the overriding factor, right? We're to follow after peace, right? And so peace is to exceed any type of external thing. So that peace is the bonafide assurance that the Holy Ghost gives us out of our recreated human spirit that is the constant because you can have all kinds of turmoil in your mind about things going on in the natural but what does the bible say proverbs 3:5. trust in the lord trust in the lord yes. trust in the lord with all your heart your spirit right lean not to your own understanding acknowledge him in all your ways he'll direct your path so is some, sometimes it, there's a sifting process until we have clarity in our hearts about that peace, having an overriding voice over external natural circumstances to know that this is God. And that's the biggie right now in, in the days in which we live in. Oh, what should I do? What should I that? Every day is a life full of potential dilemmas. What should I do about this? How do I handle that? Uh, what does the Lord saying about this, right? And this just this is ongoing. That's why this is so important. Things what we're talking about here for us to really be strong in and be able to help us to guide our life, right? Now we have the written word of God, and we'll get into that in just a moment. As far as just. The words that we find in the Bible and how important they are as a foundation out of which will be the underpinning of the spirit of God being able to lead us and guide us because God and his word are one. Amen. So these things here about being led by the spirit of God, that the the spirit itself bears witness with our spirit. So there's a co-witnessing involved here with the Spirit of God speaking directly to our spirits. Now, Jesus said in John chapter 4, and you don't have to turn there, but just think about this. I'm sure you've all read that. But Jesus said, God is a spirit. And those that worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. Amen. All right. For the Father seeketh such to worship him. Right. In uh, John chapter 4. But, When we look at that, see, God's not a mind, all right? So God's not just speaking to our mind. How he speaks to us is through the witness of the Holy Ghost, which on different intelligible, spiritual intelligible levels, communicates that onto our mind, okay? But because God's not a mind, he's not, you know, speaking to our mind. He'll speak to our spirit. And the primary way, as it says there in Romans eight sixteen, is by the witness that the Holy Ghost gives to our witness, which is going to have peace, which is going to provide a green light, so to speak, for the leading and guiding of our lives. All right. Now, so when we think about this and training the human spirit, that gives way to understanding about how Our conscience works in conjunction with the Holy Ghost. All right? Because let me say it this way. Reason is the voice of our intellect, of our mind. Feelings are the voice of our body. Right? We have five physical feelings. But our conscience is the voice of our spirit. Our conscience is the voice of our spirit, okay? Now, uh, we could go into a lot of depth, but I just bring that out, generally speaking. Now, one of the things, and we'll look at a scripture in Timothy, perhaps tonight, maybe next week, but when we come over to the New Testament, we find out, as Paul said to the church at Galatia, that the law was the schoolmaster to bring us to Christ. What does that mean? It means that the law was what showed up the darkness of our sin. Because the moral law as given, when we look at the Ten Commandments and God's standards of righteousness, and we'll look at the scriptures on this here in the book of Timothy, hopefully tonight we'll get there, but we will here in the next few weeks, we find out that God's moral law is God's moral standard. Now, many of you, uh, you know, you're familiar with uh, uh, Brother Ray Comfort and how he goes about and and God uses him in a wonderful way. And when he talks to people on the street and not everybody has to do it exactly the way he does it, but uh, with his wit and humor and personality, uh, he's really... He's done a great job for the kingdom of God, but he uses what Finney did back in the day when in Finney, Charles G. Finney was looked at one of the greatest revivalists uh, since the days of the apostle Paul and uh, his staying rate of people that got saved under his ministry was in the the high eighties. Okay. And that that's in, in other words, people that came to the Lord Jesus stayed true to him for the rest of their life. well, he you know how did he know how to do this? Well, he he, uh, he gave law to the hard heart and it broke that hard heart and made it supple so it could receive the gospel of grace okay and and so the the law is, is what breaks down the the moral defenses that uh, humanity has as far as their own goodness. That's why we need Jesus, because uh, we're not good in and of ourselves. As the scripture says, there's not no one good, no, not one. Jesus said in the, in the uh, gospel of Mark, he said, uh, he says there's no, only one, when he was talking to the rich young ruler, he said, there's no, no one good but God, right? In other words, in and of our own righteousness, as the prophet Isaiah said, our own righteousness is as filthy rags, okay? So we we can't we don't have a standing before God in and of ourselves that's worth a one dime. It's, it's, not, it's not any good. Um uh, I think about the illustration uh that uh I thought about this and, and given it recently about how that sheep look white in a green pasture until it begins to snow. Sheep look white. In a green pasture until it begins to snow. Well, what are we saying? Well, that, you know, it, it, the sheep look white, right? But then, when you give the backdrop of pure white snow, the sheep look dirty. And so, when we try to measure our own standard of goodness uh, in and of ourselves, well, you know, are you good? For, well, I'm. I'm better than my neighbor. I don't act like him or behave like him. Well. But that's not the standard to which we're going to be judged by God one day. That's why the law is our schoolmaster to bring us to Christ, because we have the need of salvation. Amen. Thank God for the blood of Jesus. So every man has a conscience. All right? Good or bad. I want to give you some scriptures here. Let's uh let's look at the first one here: 2nd Corinthians chapter 4 and verse 2. 2 Corinthians Chapter 4 and verse 2, speaking about the conscience. Speaking about the conscience. 2 Corinthians 4 and verse 2.
1: It says, but
0: have, but have renounced the hidden things of dishonesty, not walking in craftiness, nor handling the word of God deceitfully, but by manifestation of the truth, commending ourselves to every man's conscience in the sight of God so what what this says here is every man has a conscience all right uh, about right and wrong okay and that's that's where Paul said in Romans uh, chapter three, when he talked about the the conscience of man, and he said that uh the uh this conscience here is that we there's none righteous, no, that, no, not one. In Romans 3, verse 10, there's none that understandeth, there is none that seeketh after God. They're all gone out of the way, and they're together become unprofitable. There's none that doeth good, no, not one. Okay? So, when we look at the whole spiritual aspect, and the Bible is a spiritual book, we read that, when as a Christian, that... Uh, the words of the Bible are living. They're full of power. All right. And they have a bearing on our conscience one way or the other. Okay. Now this all goes together with being led by the spirit of God, by what we, and sometimes people call it impressions on the inside, a good velvety like feeling, or on the other hand, a hesitancy or a check or a no. There's various words that are used to describe the sensitivity, th- one way or the other, right or wrong, on the inside. Okay. Now, when you when you when you when you talk to somebody about Jesus, and you're using uh, the scriptures uh, properly, you're going to find out when it's going to eventually hit a hit an nerve, and this is something that. You know, the revivalists of yesteryear used to – it said of uh, Charles G. Finney that he had a fixed principle that he would never tell somebody how to get saved until he could no longer look him in the eye. Now, as the writer said, speaking about Finney in one of the writings, he said, you may say he's gone too far, but as the writer posed, he said – but the real question is, do we go far enough to get people on the right foundation of things? Because if people don't get born again, right, then once you once a person gets born again, they're, they're totally new on the inside. They fall in love with Jesus. Jesus, they may not know anything, but they sure do have the heart to want to please him. Because in the true born again experience, They want to follow God. They want to fellowship with other believers. Uh, They have a compassion because of the newness of their life and the recognition that they have that they were a lost sinner. They needed the true grace of God. Uh, they, they, They absolutely have a desire to see other people be saved because they know the plight that they were once in. And they have a love not only for God, but for the people that God created to see them to want to go to heaven amen and so when we look at these things in the scriptures we can see clearly that through the born again experience it's 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 not a religious experience it's a becoming a new creature in christ if any man be in christ he's a new creature old things have passed away behold all things have become new amen Amen. honey
1: i'm quickened about the scripture here in matthew 7 14 and you know we don't you don't it's not like you're playing hard to get with these people, but there has to be conviction. Um, uh, if people, a lot of times there's false converts with, with different ones because they're told to come to Jesus and every all the problems go away. Mm-hmm. Well, technically your problems just begin because now you're a target and a marked by the devil and that, you know, that you've, you've now joined God's team. And you're not on his team anymore. Right. So now you're, you know, we're already an enemy of the devil, but he, he looks at it like, I'm, I'm out to get you. Of course, we've, we've been equipped with victory and we mm-hmm. can triumph in Christ Jesus. But I'm reminded of Matthew seven fourteen where it talks about, and I, and I believe how we lead people to Christ. However, that is in Jude, we talked about this on prayer the other day. There's different mm-hmm. ways we can approach people. Mm -hmm. You know, based on our personality, but I know we're talking about consciousness and we're also talking about um, how we're leading people to Jesus, too. And it says here, because straight is the gate and narrow is the way which leadeth unto life and few there be that find it. So we have to be delicate in that sense and conscientious, I believe, in how we're leading people. That's why Amen. us living a holy life is important. Yes. It doesn't mean we live a life of sin. We commit sin. We get it under the blood. But that greasy grace message, which is really prevalent out there, and we know people that have bought into that hook, line, and sinker, and they think they can live any way they want. But what, where does the holiness come into play, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and like Paul says, you know, if I preach a different gospel to people and I'm living a different way, I'm going to be cast away. And so God, and I'm not saying we're we're supposed to be perfect, we're supposed to be perfect in Christ. It's always our strength. Um, everything we do is supposed to be in Jesus. We can't do anything apart from Him, we're nothing without Him. But because of Him and living a holy life, that's that's where it's like, wow, you know how how difficult it is to give instructions to somebody when you know it's a difficult place to find. You say you have to be really careful or you're going to miss the street. You're going to miss the turnoff. Mm-hmm. And pay, pay really close attention to the directions or the instructions. Right. I've said that to people. I've had people say that to me. What do you do? You slow down, and you're really paying attention to where you're going so you don't miss the turnoff. <laughs> it doesn't cost you time because then you're like, I can't find it. Well, we have to – this is seeing things through the eyes of faith, of course, but we have to be very you know, particular um, in the, how we're leading our life but also, too, how we're telling other people, too, and allowing mm-hmm. the conviction of the Holy Ghost, or allowing the work of the Holy Ghost, allowing uh, the work of the Holy Ghost to take place in people's lives, so that so they they're they're connecting their their heart to what you're saying yeah. when you do share the gospel with someone, whether it's specific or general, or and we do it in faith, even if you can just in passing, you just say Jesus is the way. That's all you can say to somebody. We do it by faith, and we know that the Holy Ghost can then work on those
0: words. Yeah, exactly. And uh, so, now, I want to read this, 1 John 3. Turn over here. Let's read this together. But you can see this uh, uh, exemplifies and uh, expands on what the Lord Jesus said there that she just read there from Matthew chapter 7. uh, Because... We know it's through, through Jesus, but it's not a sentimental Jesus. It's not a, a historical Jesus. It's a living Jesus who's a living Lord. Look at first uh, John three, verse one. It says here, behold, what manner of love the father hath bestowed upon us that we should be called the sons of God. That, that is the love of God. Amen. I mean, think we're, we're not just servants of God. We're children of God, called sons of God, daughters of God. Amen. Amen. Think about that. That's powerful. Therefore, the world knew us not because it knew not him. See, the world, it just in and of itself doesn't understand you. That's why you'll be misunderstood by people that are not saved, not because you're trying, but just because you're living in a fallen world and they don't have the reference points that you have. But Mm -hmm. by our good works, as Peter said, they should glorify God in the day of visitation. Amen? In other words, they ought to see, but to some people, it's, they're going to be a yay, and they're going to glorify God, and other people, they're, it's going to turn them away from you. I think about the scripture right there, the first scripture there in Luke chapter 4. Remember when Jesus returned in the power of the Spirit uh, from uh, being tempted of the devil 40 days, 40 nights? He didn't succumb to any type of of temptation in other words he didn't yield and sin in any way mm-hmm. we know that he who knew no sin was made to be sin on our behalf that we might be made the righteousness of God in him mm-hmm. how does that happen when we accept jesus and we're born again our nature is is changed amen yes. well you, you so he goes into he goes in and picks up the scroll the re, uh, of the prophet isaiah And he finds that place that's written, the spirit of the Lord God's upon me because he's anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor, sent me to heal the brokenhearted, right, on down and such. And he ends up the acceptable, to preach the acceptable day of the Lord, right? And he closed the book or, you know, and he gave it back to the attendant and he sat down. The the eyes of all were fixed upon him. in in a few verses later, you read about they wanted to throw him over the, the brow of the hill. Why? Because the scripture's pinpointed and hit a spiritual nerve. That's what the gospel does. That's why when the true gospel is preached, it's going to strike a man's or woman's conscience. Okay? And it's supposed to do that. And for us as believers, when the word of God's preached, the Holy Ghost is going to personalize that, and it's going to hit our conscience hit our spirit and deal with this uh, with a yay or a nay or a you need to move higher son or daughter or or whatever and going to help us. But he's But that's an admonishment and that's healthy. You never want to get to a place in your life where the spirit of God is not dealing with your conscience. Okay. Paul talked about a seared conscience. We'll look at that, but I really feel impressed here. And we'll close out with this. I know we didn't get that far, but we endeavor to, you know, uh, just follow the Lord and you know, just not just follow our notes, but if we just get off on something that's good, we're gonna stay with it. But let's read this. So first John three, and we were talking about there in reference to what the Lord Jesus said, straight is the gate, narrow is the way, few that enter in thereat from Matthew seven. Well, this third chapter of first John goes with this. The world knoweth it not, knoweth Therefore, the world knoweth us not, because it neither knew him. Beloved, now are we the sons of God, and it does not yet appear what we shall be. But we know that when he shall appear, we shall be like him. Right? For we shall see him as he is. And look at this. Here's where we want to get to. And every man, he's talking to believers now, and every man that hath this hope in him purify it himself i see this is to have a good conscience as a born-again christian is it's living a pure life it's living an honest life an integrity-filled life right before god We'll, we'll look at there's so many scriptures that just when they come together it's just like wow this is there's a great depth to this what we're talking about um but it says, every man that hath this hope in him purifieth himself, even as he is pure. So in other words, there's an onward work of the true grace of God in every born-again uh, Christian.
1: First John 3, uh, we started with verse 1.
0: But he's now on verse 3. Okay, yes. Now, look at verse 4. It says, whosoever committeth sin transgresseth also the law, for sin is the transgression of the law. okay. And you know that he was manifested to to take away our sins, and in him is no sin. All right. So now, verse four: Whoso committeth sins transgresseth also the law. Now, as we're going to see here, that as we read on, when he's talking about committeth sin, he's talking about practices sin. Okay. Now we sin. We're saints, but we sin not because we want to, at least we shouldn't sin because we, we we want to and think that you know the grace of God, that's why Paul said in Romans, he said, Shall we sin that grace should abound? He said, certainly not, right? So we we don't just sin and flippantly, oh Lord forgive me. But it's something that we should on the inside protect the innocency of our the voice of our conscience. So that if we do sin, not because we're habitually sinning or practicing, and that's what that word's referring to in verse four, that we get back to that state of innocence by getting it under the blood of Jesus, by First John one nine, confessing our sins, acknowledging that, and asking the Lord to forgive us, and by the precious blood, that is the New Testament way as Christians that we receive forgiveness, right after we've been born again. So okay, so this is not whosoever committeth, which means to practice or some we habitually or habitually sins transgresses also the law for sin is transgression of the law and you know that he was manifested to take away our sins and in him is no sin whosoever abideth in him sinneth not now what's he talking about there does that mean that if i'm abiding in the lord that uh, I'll never sin again this side of heaven? Well, no, that's not what that, because we're all, we have to deal with the flesh. But what, what that means is, if somebody who's truly born again and walking with the Lord and abiding in Him, they're not going to, the want to, that's the that's the greatest news, is you know what? You know, people say, do you do this and do you do that? So, no, I know I know. Why? Because I don't want to. You can,
1: yeah, you can do it all you want, but the want to's not.
0: there. Yeah, the want to's gone, because when you get born again, on the inside, that new nature, because it's so sensitized in that innocency, especially when innocency. you're first. It, 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 and yes, and it is in the in the innocency of a, being a new creature in Christ. And when we're first born again, you want to keep that sensitive, because that's protection. Okay, and uh, so let's read on here because we're we're just about out of time here. But all right, but let's 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 read on here. Whosoever abideth in Him, verse six. Sinneth not, or practising. Whosoever sinneth hath not seen him, neither knoweth. No, know, is n- neither know him. So here's what the Bible says: it says If 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 I claim that I got born again and I'm still walking and sinning and and not living right, then something's wrong. Something's wrong with my experience. Something's wrong in my walk with God right now, because my nature of walking in Him is uh my nature of walking in him and with him is is I don't want to do anything that would hurt the Lord. I don't want to do anything to displease. The Lord. amen so let's read on here, okay so he whosoever abideth in him, remember what Jesus said in John fifteen He said, If ye abide in me, my words abide in you, well, how are you abiding in him? Well, you're abiding in the vine but you're abiding, living holy, living uprightly. Amen. Keeping, uh, you know, keeping sin under under the blood, right? Whosoever abideth in him sinneth not. Whosoever sinneth hath not seen him, neither know him. Little children. See, because if we know him, then we're going to know that his nature is that he wants us to live holy and uprightly. Amen. Then we could never keep keep the Ten Commandments and be pleasing to God because we'd all fail miserably. All right. In, in the moral law, little children, let no man deceive you. He that doeth righteousness is what is righteous. righteous. Okay. Mm-hmm. Some people, and that's goes back, honey, to what you said earlier about the greasy grace message is that. You know, that I'll just live however way I want. It's okay with the Lord. It's not okay with him. It is not okay with him. So, little children, let it's dangerous, Grant. Let no man deceive you. He that doeth righteousness is righteous, even as he is righteous. Well, we know the Lord's righteous, but his nature's instilled into us, and we got a new nature. So it's it's the nature, the desire. Of our recreated inward man to do the right thing, now our flesh is going to till the day you die till the until you get a glorified body we get one it's going to want to do wrong, but that's not the real you, and we have to differentiate between the spirit of man and the body of man. The real you is not your body, the real you is your spirit, and our desires to do right that's why Paul said there in Romans seven. He said, that what I want to do, I don't do. And that what I don't do is what I should do. He said, oh, wretched man that I, that I am, who will deliver me from this body of sin? And then he ends up saying, thanks be to God. Thanks be to God. He's the one who's made a way for us because we've been born again. But we still have to deal and wrestle with this old man. The Bible calls it the flesh that, that wants to do wrong. But don't let the devil cheat you and rob you out of peace in your heart because you think, well, you know I've been Saved 10 years, and I still want to do wrong. Well, differentiate between who it is that wants to do wrong. It's, you know, yeah, it it says Romans 8.1, There there is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus, who walk not after the flesh, but after the Spirit. For the law of the Spirit of life in Christ Jesus has made me free from the law of sin and death. Right? So we're not walking after the flesh, we're walking after the, the Spirit with the knowledge of, The greater one's now on the inside of us, glory to God. And now I don't have to live the way I used to live. And now I get to walk in newness of life because now I got the power of God working on the inside of me and the light of life and the love of Jesus. And now he's with me and for me and in me and wants to move through me to reach other people with the witness of his light being reflected through my life. Hallelujah.
1: Amen.
0: Glory to God.
1: Honey, can I yeah. add to that? Yes. Okay. In first John chapter three, there, then if you jump over, uh, I don't know if you were getting
0: to this. Well, I'm gonna go to the gonna verse go 10. To this here. Um can I no. skip to 20. Yeah, body? you yeah, you can do you can do that, <laughs> and then we'll finish. Well,
1: on. it, 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 piggybacking onto that, uh, Romans eight, one and two, and I believe three, it says, For our heart condemn us. God is greater than our heart and knoweth all things. Beloved, if our heart condemneth or condemn us not, then have we confidence towards God. Yes. So a lot of times if people are living in sin, they don't have that confidence in God. I'm talking about, I know the, I, we're talking about committed sin, and the Bible interprets this as practicing. But when I say commit yeah. sin, I'm referring to, you know, our English language has come a little bit of, of a ways where, it, you know, when you, you're not practicing sin, you, you mm-hmm. sin, then you get under the blood. I'm not talking about living in sin or practicing sin but the, for those that do have you ever noticed they don't have confidence towards god because they're not sure where they stand with the lord all the time it's like i'm I'm living a life or maybe they don't know but i'm just using for the person that's a christian that's practicing sin you know they're sinning mm-hmm. they don't have confidence in their heart towards the lord and their heart does condemn them it mm-hmm. convicts them but the flesh is also condemning and the devil's also you know hitting them over the head with a mallet saying you know you're messing up you're messing up but But see, we can get things under the blood. But then it goes on to say, beloved, if our heart condemn us not, then have we confidence toward God? Yes. And then because of that confidence, we have the ability and whatsoever we ask, we receive of him because we keep his commandments and do those things that are pleasing in his sight. Yes. So that's the whole reason is keep our conscience clear, keep it it protected Mm -hmm. from sinning, practicing sin. So that we can have confidence towards God so that we can, we can, you know, ask of the Lord and, and, and receive from him Mm -hmm. and ask in faith. That can Mm -hmm. really hinder our faith when we're not, when a person's not doing the right thing. That's right. It hurts them.
0: Exactly. It hurts their faith. So verse seven, verse John three, seven, little children, let no man deceive you for he that doeth righteousness is righteous. Even as he is is righteous. He that's committed sin is of the devil. Now, the word committeth is used again here, verse four, and then here again in verse eight. And the word committeth in the ETH, that's a present tense ongoing action. Okay? So that's a habitual thing. All right. That's one of the beauties of uh when we see these verbs with the ETH ending in here in your Bibles, okay? He that committeth sin is of the devil, for the devil sinneth from the beginning. For this purpose, the Son of God was manifested that he might destroy the works of the devil. Whosoever is born of God doth not commit sin. For his seed remaineth in him, and he cannot sin because he is born of God. In this, the children of God are manifested, and the children of the devil. Whosoever doeth not righteousness is not of God, neither he that loveth not his brother. Okay? So, in conclusion, what you see there is, and the, the reason this is so important is, is because we're talking about having a conscience, the voice of our spirit, the primary way, one of the foundational things and ways that God leads us by is it, having it pure, having it clear, and having it clean. Amen? Mm-hmm. And, and when we understand this, and we've been born again, And that our wrestling match is not with the inward man wanting to do right, because that is its DNA. That's its nature. It's our flesh that we have to deal with. And when we miss it, we say, Lord, forgive us. We get it under the blood. And then faith gets up and faith goes on. Okay. And don't let the devil beat you over the head about that. All right. And this is the nature. That's why you you sow the seed. Sow the word of God. That's why when you're giving out tracts, you, you, you share the gospel, the true gospel with somebody, it's not up to you to bring the increase. Paul said, I have planted, Apollos watered, but God gave the increase. God's always the one that has to bring the increase because we can't get anybody born again. It has to be the work of the Holy Ghost, and it has to do be done with the way that the Holy Ghost interacts with the Word of God, which is the sword of the Spirit which is something that pierces our hearts as born-again Christians, but it also pierces the hearts of those that are unsaved, okay? Because again, the Bible is a spiritual book, amen? So remember that, that uh, the Great One lives on the inside of you, and your conscience is, I'll say this in closing, Martin Luther said back during the Reformation, he said, my conscience is captive to the Word of God, To disregard it is neither right nor safe. That's a great statement. Mm -hmm. My conscience is captive to the word of God. To disregard it is neither right nor safe. Mm -hmm. And that is a gem of wisdom. Because as a Christian, we want to follow our conscience. And we're going to look at several Mm -hmm. scriptures and things illustrated in the word of God to fortify these things here in the next few weeks, okay? So we'll stop right there for tonight.